Somebody say amen. amen. How many of you love the Lord? Well, we'll pray for the rest of you, okay? I'm going to be as quick as I can this morning, but I want to talk with you about prophetic intuition. You know, we've, uh, the world has tried to take the word intuition and make it into something like new agey or something like that. But how many of you have ever heard the old term, a mother's intuition? All right. How many of you ever heard the term father's intuition? Huh? You have heard it? I've never heard it. And the reason is, is most of the time, sadly, but the female gender are more sensitive to the things of God and to the feelings of God than men are. You know, we as men, we don't want anyone to tell us anything. <laughs> Amen? I know that's right. No, hush up, Susan. Uh, would the ushers kind of watch this troublemaker on the front row here? <clears throat> you have my permission to remove her. <clears throat> but what I'm trying to help you understand is the fact that when God looked into Adam and he said it's not good for man to be alone, he was talking about several things, but he went into Adam and he took out a rib and he created woman and he created woman to be a responder. She is to respond to God and she is to respond to her husband. And so when we look at this thing about intuition, we need to understand, <coughs> excuse me, need to understand what he's saying. I've used this many times. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Intuition will keep you from being ignorant. When you move in prophetic intuition, you will have common sense. We need common sense today. I've watched the prophetic intuition in my life cause me to know things and to do things that I wasn't smart enough to know and do. Are you hearing me? And so we need the prophetic intuition. See, God has called every person in the earth, every person, to be prophetic. The prophetic is about hearing from God in order to be enabled to speak for God. And so when we understand that concerning spiritual manifestations, we don't need to be ignorant here. Thank you, Todd. Then we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It says, but it is written. Look at someone and say, God has said it. He is saying it. And he will continue to say it. The Lord told me uh, several years ago, I don't want you to say the Bible says anymore. I said, okay, Lord, I won't. Why? He said, because most people read it like it was written 2,000 years ago, and it spoke then, but it's not speaking today. They read it more as history. Let me just tell you what he said 2,000 years ago, he's still saying today, and he will continue to say. We don't live by every word that has proceeded out of the mouth of God. We live by every word that is proceeding, present perfect tense. Are you hearing me? But it says there, but it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I have heard countless preachers over my life use that and stop right there. It's like it's a mystery. I like it when he does it suddenly. I like it when he amazes me. I like it when he reveals things to me that I couldn't see. But... Yet when you take the totality of the word, it goes on to say, but. Yes. How many of you are glad there's a but here? Yes. 
Amen. I'm glad he put a butt in the situation. I was glad he put a butt in my situation because when dad got that belt out, you know, it's the best place for him to put the belt on. Amen. No, we're moving on. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. I want to tell you, you were created by God. Before you were even born again, there were impulses that came to you. You know, I one night, I was with my best friend. I won't say his last name. His first name was Dale. And he was in his Corvette car. And this was B.C. How many of you remember B.C. day, before Christ? And he was intoxicated. And I couldn't talk him into letting me drive. And he put me out on the side of the road. And 20 minutes later, he was killed. I knew I had to get out of that car. He was my best friend. He was older than me. His dad was my dad's best friend. I grew up farming. My dad farmed his dad's land. I'm with that. It was peer pressure on me that day to stay in that car. But yet I said, no. If you're not going to let me drive, you're not driving, you're a no. Now listen, let me just tell you, back in those B.C. days, I was insane. I'm crazy today, but I was insane back then. <laughs> but yet I stood my ground and swallowed my pride because something rose up in me and I wasn't born again. And I stood my ground and I stepped out of that Corvette and he cut off a telephone pole just about where the bar goes across the line because he went off a real high road. And there was nothing left of the car except the turtle hall. I didn't even know it till the next morning. I didn't hear him. I went in. One of the things was in my family. We didn't go to church on Sunday. We went to the farm equipment dealership. And we made a big thing, a pot of coffee, and we talked about the week and what we were going to do the next week. And I was back in the shop with a drill press drilling, and, and my dad's older brother came in and said, it's bad about so-and-so's son. And I said, what? And he told me. And I, at that time of life, I wasn't allowed to cry, and I wasn't allowed to. It showed weakness, and, and I remember going out behind the welding shop and standing out there and just trembling, wouldn't let myself cry. But somehow, looking back on that, Lord, a hundred years later, I know that what I felt that night when I crawled out of that Corvette car on the side of a highway and watched him drive off into the night, it was more it wasn't that I was fearful of dying. It wasn't that anything else. It was the intuition of God that moved upon me that night. A lost, heathen, undone, undone man that was not quite intoxicated but very close to it. But yet I stood my ground. I swallowed my pride and God preserved my life so I could become who I am today. What is intuition? What is prophetic intuition? It is the act or facility of knowing or sensing without the use of logic. We just came out of an Awaken Arkansas conference in Benton with Dr. Ron Phillips of Abba House in Chattanooga and Dr. Dwayne Miller of Christ Life there in Little Rock. And I want to tell you the prophetic was strong there. It was strong. But Dutch and I had a talk in Moline, Illinois last week 
And we talked about the very fact of how there's a place when you get into the prophetic that, you know, your mind is not in any way connected. It might begin there through just seeing something, but you move into that place. And by the way, last Saturday, not last Saturday, Saturday a week ago, I prophesied a very strange word. It said, the little foxes, have I not said the little foxes pull the vine? But I would have you to know that the fox has backed herself into a hole. And I'm about to dig her out and expose her corruption. And she will be exposed for what she did. For I'm coming after the fox in Illinois. And I will expose the corruption around her. I don't know if you noticed that Kim Fox was indicted in the special counsels coming up and all that with it and stuff. Isn't it interesting? Can I tell you what I heard that day? I didn't hear the Lord give me that word. I was thinking about it. I was on the platform. Dutch was over here. And I just thought about the fact, man, God, that thing's so corrupt. It needs to be exposed. This is what I heard God say. He said, if you'll say it, I'll do it. Never heard it. 37 years of being perfect. Never had him tell me that before. But he said, if you'll say it, I'll do it. I, I told Dutch, I went to Dutch. I said, Dutch, I got a controversial word. And he, he said some great words. He said, I trust you. And I released the word and... And we talked afterwards, and this is what he said to me. He said, Nash, you better hope God comes through on that one. <laughs> I'm here today to tell you, he's coming through. <laughs> he said, if you'll say it, I'll do it. Are you hearing me? God is looking for us to have intuition. It's the active facility of knowing or sensing, but without the use of logic. There's only a slight difference between keeping your chin up and sticking your neck out. I'm a risk taker. I like risk. I didn't get to Paracel when I was down in Florida and people, you know, that knew that I wanted to say, I don't know how you do that. You just do it. Amen. You know, I, I, a lady came to me in, in the meeting in Little Rock. She was from eastern Arkansas and she said, I want to ask you a question. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, there used to be a guy that would spray the fair at Forest City, Arkansas every year. And when he w did that, someone rode on the wing of his airplane. And I think his last name was Nash. And I said, I resemble that remark. <laughs> I rode the wings of them. I, I, don't, I don't have a quest to die. I just don't have a fear. And I know the difference between risk and calculated risk. Are you hearing me? There's a difference there. There's a difference there. Let me give you two facts about intuition. All great leaders use it, fulfilling their responsibility. Amanda Williams, that used to be part of the church here, is now out in Denver. I can't think of her. She's remarried. I can't think of her last name right now, but a, a daughter to Susan and I. And she said this about me one time. I'm using me as an example. She said, apostle doesn't know what to do until it's time to do it, and then he knows what to do. That's called intuition. With it, do it. We don't have, uh, listen, it's great to have a strategy and great to set goals and great, and I, I like all that, but sometimes we just have to step out and do it. The second thing about intuition, a degree of intuition can be developed. Let me tell you how intuition is developed. I'm going to give you the end of the message. Intuition is developed by asking questions, by being curious. I love people that are curious. 
grandkids. You, I can't wait to grant. I don't know what he's going to call you, Papa or uh, Daddy Dan. I, 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 hey, hey, I think it's Daddy Dan. Let's just put that in that boy. Daddy Dan. Don't y'all like that? Not Dirty Dan, Daddy Dan. Amen. I mean, it, there's a sound there to that, man. I believe that was prophetic, but for sure it might be pathetic. But anyway, can't you just hear him? Uh, you know, Daddy Dan, why, why do the wheels go round? You know, why? You know, you know why? You know why do we have to put the tools up in the garage? You know, there, there are questions. I love it when they ask because I want to tell you, people that ask questions grow, and God's looking for that. Let me tell you three strengths of prophetic intuition. Number one, intuition helps us discover new things. People who lack intuition usually, uh, like intuition, are continually being blindsided. You might not know what's coming, but you can know something's coming, and you can be prepared for it when it is. You know, I told Susan over and over and over, I was driving a Volkswagen Jetta diesel, and I kept telling her, I said, love the car, got 46 miles to the gallon. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved And I kept telling her, I said, I feel like I'm supposed to sell this car. I even had it appraised. Found out it was worth about $24,000, $25,000. And I said, I believe I'm supposed to sell this car. And I procrastinated, procrastinated. And, you know, Volkswagen was found guilty of fraud and, and, and redoing the emissions and all this kind of stuff. And that car was worth, I mean, I had a dealer appraise it. I think it was twenty four two. And suddenly, my car is worth $11,000. Now, everybody say, thank God for the U.S. government because they became involved. And I bought the car for $27,400. I put 96,000 miles on it, and they gave me $23,800 for that car. So God bailed me out. But if I would have sold it back when I was feeling the intuition to sell it, I wouldn't have had to walk that out in faith. Are you hearing me? You know, who made the first biscuit? Who put the first cherry on top of a Sunday? Who made the first banana split? Can you imagine old Thomas Edison? <laughs> Just kept failing. But there was, some, see, there was an intuition in him. What about Churchill? He was very much a person of prophetic intuition. You know, uh, over there, you know, the driver's on the right side of the car. He always sat in the rear on the left. And one day his driver opened the car door and, and for him to get in. And he looked at it and said, no, slammed the door and walked around the other side and sat down. And when the driver cranked the car, a bomb went off under the seat. He was injured but not killed. If you study, and I have studied the life of Churchill, he's very much a had a lot of prophetic intuition with that. You know, he, you know, he, 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 slept, he stayed in bed at 11 every morning. He had eggs and bacon and ham delivered to him in bed every day. He, he drank a lot of scotch every day and smoked cigars every day with that and lived to be like 88 years of age. Now, somebody just had the thought, let me correct you. No, you're not going to live to be 88 by eating eggs and bacon in bed and drinking scotch. That wasn't the point I was saying. The point I'm trying to tell you is his intuition caused him to be who he was. One morning, his intuition told him to go get on the trolley, on the streetcar, 
and ride it there in London. He would ask people during the war, what am I to do? That movie's true. I've studied his life. If, I don't know which one it was. I've watched so many of his movies, but one of them, and people told him, and he made his decision what to do. See, people that are intuitive are not fearful to value around people who think differently from them. George Patton said this one time, if everybody agrees, one of us is not thinking. Let that settle into your spirit. If everybody agrees, one of us is not thinking. He was talking about when you're coming up with a strategy, amen? You come in agreement once the strategy is developed. People who lack intuition are continually being blindsided. Number two, intuition helps us enhance our natural abilities. People who lack this are consistent but carry no charisma. Sue and I watched a movie, a bold black and white movie I've never seen before last night about a guy that worked in a carnival, but yet he had charisma. And it, it was very interesting, the, the movie. I mean, it was very intriguing to us because we, we know so many prophetic voices today that are really moving in divination. They're speaking truth, but the motive of them speaking truth causes it to be divination. I had a internationally known prophet 25 years ago get a hold of me and said, I'm going to be near where you're at, but if I come where you lay hands on me, I want the gift you have because I'd get bigger offerings. I want to say, well, it ain't working for me, but it, no. <laughs> I said, I won't be laying hands on you. Because I'm not in this thing about bigger offering, and I need bigger offering. Let me just tell you, will you pray this week for me? I'm going to be doing something to this week that you might call controversial. But I, I feel that I have a word from heaven to do it. But there's a young man in Wisconsin, I think it is, that just won $650 million in the lottery. Ended up with about $260 million, I think it was, after taxes. I could be off on that a little bit. I've got his name in his hometown. And I'm going to write him and ask him for a million dollars for the ark. You say, why? Why would you do such a foolish thing? Because I read in an old book that we have not because we ask not. And he can read that letter and throw it in file number burnt. And I might not. I'm, a man just went to be with the Lord that was worth millions and millions and millions. And I, I felt like God told me. I wrote him and didn't hear anything. But you know what? His estate is in probate. <laughs> it, ain't been, it ain't been read yet. It might still come through. I don't know what, you know, that letter might have changed him as he was getting ready to move into heaven. I don't know. But I'm going to be obedient to what God, sometimes God has us do stuff, so we'll just deal with the fact that we might, we're, going to, we're not afraid of being foolish. Are you hearing me? Or looking foolish. I've been a glazing stock many times in my life. It might be some more. Number three. You need to hear this one. Prophetic intuition will help you evaluate. People who like this are seldom in the right place at the right time. Can I talk to you a few things where I miss God over the years? Years ago, I, I can tell you what year, 1989, I got an invitation. I told Susan one day, I had, I, I, actually in those days it was all visions. You know, God's word is true. Do y'all know that? Young men see visions. Older men see dream dreams. 
I move. I still see. I'm still a seer, but I dream a whole lot more as I become older. And don't talk to me about being old. Amen. I'm not going. Listen. If you want to know my philosophy, you need to hear Toby Keith's song. Don't let the old man in. When my son heard that song by Toby Keith, he wrote it for, for Clint Eastwood. And when my son heard it, he told me, he said, Dad, he said, you're one man that I know that's not going to let the old man in. I'm going to live young. I'm just telling you. Y'all, y'all, y'all pray for me because I told my wife a lie last year. I told her there was one more motorcycle trip across the United States by myself. There might be another one. <laughs> I found it's easier to break this information to her when she's on the front row. <laughs> and, and not near her iron skillet. <laughs> Might just be one more. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. The trouble is she likes to ride as much as me, but man, I enjoyed that last year. I could ride as far as I wanted to. Eat food I shouldn't eat. Amen. Might just be one more. Uh oh, she's like this on the front row in case you can't see. <laughs> Intuition will have you in the right place at the right time. Amen. I've told you about how Synergy decided that this church needed to put up a fifty-two hundred and fifty-some hundred and twenty-eight dollars deposit. We ain't never paid the bill one day late, and they decided that. And tacked it onto our bill. And so when I contacted, I found out that if I went to our bank, I could get a letter of credit and da da da. And you know what it was all about? It wasn't about them wanting a deposit. I got to meet the president of the bank. And he's a deer hunter. And his land joins the land I deer hunt on. But we didn't know each other. There was providence in walking in and being able to talk with him and, 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 and meeting another bank. Listen, I, I don't live in happen chance. I also don't live in what could have been, should have been. I don't cry and spill milk. I turn the cats in and let them lick it up. Some of you didn't catch that. See, it's not about what could have been or should have been. Are you hearing me today? See, leaders who have intuition are always considered lucky. I'm not lucky. People write, you know the two things that get said to me on Facebook more than anything else? I don't know how you do what you do. Listen, it's a five-lettered word, grace. It's just grace. Find your grace and embrace it. Find your grace and embrace it. If you embrace grace... You'll be amazed how, listen, when you, when you find your grace, you live out of the overflow of God and not out of the supply. But God's supply is never ending. No, his overflow is never ending. So move into that place. It's called grace. The second question that gets asked that, that bewilders Susan and I, and especially comes from people that we grew up with, went to high school with, and and college with and, and all this stuff. They say this to me all the time. They said, you and Susan get to live the life that all of us want to live. No, I get to live the life that God has destined for me because I'll pay the price to live it. We get on a plane Wednesday morning. 
And we fly church in Pismo Beach, California, been a supporter to us for years. I hadn't been there in six or seven years at least, maybe more than that now. And we're going there, but we're going to fly into San Francisco. And we're going to meet with a couple who are our friends. They're from Ireland. They're there. They high up with Apple. And we're going to meet with them and have lunch. And I'm renting a car, possibly a convertible. And yeah, I'm going to use the ministry's money. And we're going to drive down the coastline to Pismo Beach. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stop and look at the sea lines and all that stuff. And we're, I've been up and down there a few times. But we're going to, it's not that we get to live. It's that we choose to live the life that God has prepared for us. We could have waited. I don't start ministering to Friday. I could have waited. Are, are you hearing me? You got to plan this stuff. You got you to gotta make plans for it. You got to move into that. And I'm going to just tell you, get ready. We're going to minister up in the Badlands next year. I've, got, I've had invitations for years. We're going to the Badlands. Yeah. We're going to take our motor, motor home and three Harleys. Two of them are motorcycles and one of them is our dog. And we're going up there. And if Susan will let me, I'm going to have them trained to ride on a Harley by then. Y'all pray for her. She's being defiant to God's will. Now, let me finish this up. Let me give you some insights about increasing your prophetic intuition. Number one, you've got to believe in it. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe I'm going to be at the right place at the right time. The right door is going to open. You know why? Because I'm surrendered to God. He said, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desire of your heart. I, I heard Vicki prophesy that up there, but I thought it over every one of the graduation students today. Are you hearing me? I believe that God puts his desire. When you delight, when you're pliable, when you're contrite, when you're yielded, when your heart has been circumcised, then God's able to reach in and put his desires. Amen? He reaches in and puts his desires in that. Why are people skeptical of prophetic intuition? Number one, we're unsecure excuse me, insecure of how to process it. Anybody ever knew something was going to happen before it happened and it shocked you when it happened? That's just prophetic intuition. Amen. Roger Teal, who raised me up in prophetic ministry, got a hold of David Wilkerson back in 1987, October of 87, and prophesied to David Wilkerson, he said, on this date, the stock market will crash. Can I tell you where David Wilkerson was that morning? He was on Wall Street prophesying to him because he trusted Roger. He also heard God's voice and Roger's voice. And he was up there prophesying it. I had a dream in 2012. In the dream, the Lord said, I, 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 I said that incorrectly. I didn't have a dream. The Lord spoke to me in 2012 and said, those that receive ISAV, receive ISAV, We'll have 2020 vision in the year 2020. That's next year. And recently I had a dream about Dutch and we were trying to check him into a room that had 22 in it and he didn't want to be in a room with 22 and that's his number. He said, I want to be in the room 308. I remember the dream, couldn't put two and two together in the dream, didn't even share the dream at that point with Dutch. Flew to Denver, Colorado. 
and, and kept seeing 308 on airplanes, 308 here and 308 here and 308. I said, Lord, what's this about? And, you know, I didn't hear the Lord say anything, but I did what I usually do when I get this. And I went to Google and I Googled the Strong's number 308 and I found out it means in the Greek to receive your sight. And when I remembered that, then I remembered the word I prophesied in 2012 and I thought about 2020. And then I heard the Lord say the day of the year. So I Googled the 308th day and next year is a leap year. I Googled the 308th day of, of 2020 and I found out it'll be election day. Woo! I don't know about you, but I want our nation to recover its sight. 47% of registered evangelicals turned out in the last presidential election. Let's move it to 96%. Oh, let's go for broke 100%. But see, you got to start doing what you're doing. And don't buy into all this, this stuff out there. Listen, <laughs> our economy is incredible right now. To have what we have, Jeff, you could talk on this probably better than I, I, I can because of your training and what you do. But to have what we have right now in the consistent pattern we're having and no inflation is, it, listen, Trump didn't do that. There's a king of kings over this nation that's working with us to try to validate that he put Cyrus in office. And let me just tell you, keep your feelings. He ain't perfect. He does a lot of things I wish he wouldn't do. And I'm not talking about political things with that. But can I tell you, I know his personality. I understand his personality. I have his personality. Sometimes when they're accusing him of not being truthful, he's just calling those things that are not as though they are. And don't even realize he's doing it. Why are we skeptical? We're insecure of the, of the process to apply it. We know, but we're not always sure about it. Number two, we're intimidated by logical, logical reasoning. How many of you know ever God ever told you to do something logic kick in? Right here in South Haven, Mississippi, 1996 or 97, the Lord told me to give her a brand new car away. She wasn't with me. We don't do anything. Been been just a few decisions in 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 37 years of Christian ministry that's ever been made in our house. We weren't we first were in agreement with God and then in agreement with each other. Very few. And I, let, I started letting that, that skeptical thing come into me, but I overrode it and I gave her a car away. And let me just tell you what happened. A songwriter, a Christian songwriter, a songwriter that if I told you some of the songs he wrote, you'd know who he is. Gave her a Lexus car. We didn't need a Lexus. We just needed a car. She needed a car because I gave hers away. I didn't give it away to get a car. I gave it away to be obedient to God. And then there was the day I was in Pocahontas, Arkansas, and a businessman came up to me at the end of the service. It was the last night I was driving home, sat in the pastor's office. He said, these boots on my feet are brand new. I bought them today. And the Lord told me to give them to you. 
And I took on a spirit of false humility, which is really pride. And I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If they, I'll try them on. If they fit me perfectly, I'll take them home. Y'all Western people, aren't you? There ain't never been a pair of boots you put on the first time fit perfectly in your life. In fact, I don't know if they do it, but the best way to do a good pair of Western boots is put them on and soak them in water and then wear them all day with no socks on. If you don't listen, you say, how do you know this? My mother ran two Western stores for eight years. I was wearing sea turtles before they were an endangered species because of the with it. I understand about that. And I tried and my, you know, I've got one foot's got a kind of high top of the foot and doesn't really go into my left boot that easy. And, and I said, I, I can't take your boots. They, they just, they, they're not big enough. And I drove home to Dyersburg, Tennessee. I woke up the next morning early and I didn't get in till late. And the Lord said to me, he wasn't giving you those boots for you to wear. He was giving those boots to you so you could give them to someone else. I said, well, Lord, who was I to give them to? And he told me the pastor's name. The pastor was from South Haven. I said, oh, my gracious. And I called that businessman. I mean, I'm, I called him at like 7, 8 o'clock, we'll say. And I said, Scott, I said, man, I missed God last night. I wasn't, those boots weren't supposed to be for me. You were supposed to give them to me, and I was supposed to pass them on to someone else and, and give them to them. And he started laughing. I said, what are you laughing? He said, uh, who God tell you to give it to I'm not going to say the pastor's name. And I told him the pastor's name. And he said, yeah, you're right. said, he spoke the same thing to me. I've already called him and gave him to him this morning. <laughs> you say, the guy got the boots, but I missed the blessing of sewing a pair of boots into him. I haven't had a pair of boots. Oh, I'll take it back. I have had a Ken Tony. These boots I got on. That's really not probably picked these out. I don't know I'm going to tell this story. Ken Tony gave me a pair. Are you hearing me? Where are you at? Listen, we need prophetic intuition. Last form. When you have prophetic intuition, you move out of that. You move into a non-traditional thinking. I want that, I want that just kind of harness you. Why are, you, why are people open to singing prayer songs and not just hymns? I don't know about some of you mature enough to remember that battle. In the Pentecostal circles, we started singing off of courses on the wall. You know, the, the, the ones that only wanted hymns, that they're just singing off the wall. <laughs> it was a battle. Not either one or right or wrong it's not about that i know courses that are completely unscriptural and i know hymns that are they're not kingdom but we got to be open see non-traditional thinkers ask that why should this be done where traditional non-traditional thinkers ask why should this be done traditional thinkers ask how long has it been done this way or they say, that, well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, maybe it's time to change it. I close with this story. Years ago, I was in Phoenix, and there was a lady there. And I'm going to tell today because she's with the Lord. She went to the same church Glenn Campbell was in. And I was introduced to her by someone that had known her most of her life. And this is how she introduced herself. Hello, I'm so-and-so. I'm not going to say her name. I'm so-and-so, and I've been the first pianist 
at North Baptist Church for 28 years. And so we were having a meal together and someone came by the table and she was introduced to them and she said, I'm so-and-so, I've been the first pianist at North Baptist Church for 28 years. And then someone came by and was introduced. She did the same thing again. And the fourth time she did it, when they left the table, I looked her in the eye and I said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. She looked at me and said, why? And I said, you've been there 28 years and you can't raise up somebody to do it? Yeah. I've since read that book, How to Win Your Enemies and Make Friends. <laughs> well, let me be honest. I read the title of it, but anyway. But isn't that the truth? My wife was my worship leader for 23 years. I, I respond to the worship that comes out of her because we're one. And she came to me and she said, I'm not carrying the sound like the young people are. It's time for me to step down. And I said, but I love your words. It's kind of like when David played on the harp and Saul would prophesy. There was, some, there was a stirring there, but she recognized that it was time to release it to someone else. That day will come with Matt and Natalie or Tabitha. Are you hearing me? Or others in the room. Got a little bit of prophetic unction today, but most of the time when I'm in the house, I don't have it because there's plenty of prophetic in this house. We're not lacking here. <laughs> 